Not everything you see on television, not everything we hear on the radio, not everything we see on our Facebook feed that has a scripture or that claims to speak for Jesus or for God actually does. It's your life quest. You've been looking for a home you haven't seen yet. Oh, it's your life quest. You've been looking for a hope you haven't found yet. Oh. Hello, and welcome to Life Quest, a verse by verse exploration of the entire Bible to discover real life God's way. LifeQuest is a radio ministry of Alpine Christian Fellowship in Alpine, California, featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherwood Patterson. On today's program, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 13, verses 18 through 35. We have all probably heard the parables of the mustard seed becoming a large tree with birds roosting in it, and the parable of the leaven in the three measures of grain. But do we actually know what Jesus intends for us to learn from these parables? Fortunately, God's Word is consistent in meaning and relevant when we use Scripture to interpret Scripture. By understanding what Jesus means when He talks about the birds and the leaven, we are able to fully understand the teaching of these parables. So now let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 13 and study God's Word with Pastor Sherwood. And that's where we pick up our story in verse 18. I'll read the two parables and then we'll talk about it. Verse 18 of chapter 13 says, Then Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in his garden, and it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And there's a similar parable that Jesus speaks of, highlighting a different aspect of the kingdom of God. And he said in verse 20 again, he said, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So Jesus describes these parables about the kingdom of God. Now, if you do a little study or look in some commentaries, you'll uh, see quite quickly that there are some variations in interpreting these parables. Some people would uh, interpret these parables to mean that as the kingdom of God and as the church expands and grows so does its influence in the world. And uh, just like the leaven that, you know, when you put leaven in bread, it, it, it permeates over time the entire loaf. And so there, there are, there's an interpretation of these parables that, that the kingdom of God is going to grow. It's going to uh, spread, and, and its influence is going to uh, expand across the whole world. That's the idea of this large tree, or the small seed growing into a large tree. And that's the idea of this leaven that is so small and insignificant, could permeate and grow uh, into all aspects of the loaf. Now, we can see similarities in interpreting these parables that way, but it's interesting if you look at these parables in context, as well as look at the words that Jesus is using, you will see these words pop up in other parables, and we will see that some of these words, such as birds, such as leaven, 
actually describe something quite different concerning the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to talk about today. So not only is the church going to grow and it is going to spread and nothing is going to keep the kingdom of God from advancing and the church from advancing, but also we see here, based on the words that Jesus, is, Jesus uses and the words that he uses in previous parables, that we can interpret this also to understand that the corruption that will come in the church is something we need to be very careful of. Particularly since he is having this conversation with this religious hypocritical ruler of this religious system at this time. So let's just take a look at a few words here as we understand these parables. First, Jesus talks about this mustard seed growing into a large tree. And really what Jesus is describing is this abnormal growth because a mustard seed wouldn't grow into a large tree. It was actually like a small little bush. It was probably about four to six feet. And so Jesus is talking about this abnormal growth that is going to occur in the kingdom of God and that in the church as it, as, as it advances into history. And, and if you look at Daniel chapter 4, other previous scriptures in the Old Testament, we see that trees often are used to describe human governments. You'll see the, 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 you know, the, the trunk of the tree. You'll see the branches representing different things. And oftentimes that tree is an evil or a corrupt government, and that's the case in Daniel chapter 4. But what Jesus is talking about as the mustard seed grows and as it grows into this large tree, as the kingdom of God expands, it will grow into something it was never intended to be. Now, let's not be confused. Jesus is the head of the church, and he's going to accomplish everything, his purposes, through the church and through his people. But it's interesting that in context with this conversation with this religious ruler, those who were representing God really had it all wrong. And if you look at the, the, the development of church history, or the church throughout history, you will see that at times the church has become something it was never intended to be. There is this abnormal growth, and there is this expansion of the church, and maybe in this growth, maybe that's something that kept you away from the church. Or kept you away from God. Because when the church becomes this man-made organization. Right? It's this organization that is headed by man. It tends to create hypocrisy. Extravagance. There's scandals. There's rules. There's regulations. And all of these things can keep people away from God. And I would suggest to us this morning. That that is what Jesus is addressing with this man who wanted nothing to do with the good works Jesus was doing in bringing about the kingdom of God. And there are churches, there are organizations, there are ministries that you will see this hypocrisy, you will see this extravagance, you will see these scandals and these rules and these regulations who profess to have on the outward appearance claiming to represent God, claiming to represent Jesus, claiming to be a true church, but it is evil. It is hypocrisy. So in one sense, Jesus' parables here are a warning to us as believers. They're a warning to us because we see this expansion of growth and not only do we see this growth that this tree or the kingdom or the church is 
has the potential to grow into something that it was not intended to grow into because when man gets a hold of it, when there's this power, when there's this self-indulgence, when there's this greed that comes into a church or, or into ministry or into you know, mission and, and, and activity for God, it can become something that God never wanted it to be. And not only that, but he talks about these birds. Take a look at these birds. Now, if you were to look at Matthew chapter 13, uh, you would see that Jesus describes the birds of the air, you know, when he's sowing the seed and the birds come and they take the seed away. You look at other passages throughout the scriptures, we see that birds symbolize evil. When we see that these birds are, are coming in and they're roosting in context with this religious ruler and in context of the church and the religious establishment keeping people away from God, and not allowing the work of God to be accomplished in people's lives, then birds are portrayed as evil and the par- in the parables and symbolize this wickedness that is roosting in the church that has become so large and established. Again, this is a warning to us. And particularly so today. As we see the end of all things coming to a close. As we see the return of Christ imminent in our days with all that is happening in our world. Not everything you see on television, not everything we hear on the radio, not everything we see on our Facebook feed that has a scripture uh, posted on there or that claims to speak for Jesus or for God actually does. And I want to warn you, that we would have our eyes and our ears open and test those things according to God's word. Because here was this man, this priest, this pastor of this synagogue who completely missed it all. Completely missed the power of God in their midst and says, don't do these things. And we can be so deceived very easily as the church experiences this abnormal growth with this mustard seed in this parable. It will also accommodate false teaching and evil. As I said, not everything or everyone who claims to represent Jesus actually does. And it's interesting. There are an awful lot of storytellers in the pulpits and on our televisions and on our radios and broadcasts in the church today, but not enough Bible teachers. Not enough people who are sticking to the Word of God and teaching the Word of God. And allowing God's word to speak and minister to our hearts. Instead, they're getting up and, and, they're, and they're just throwing one scripture verse out. And then they begin to talk about all these stories and, and, and use God's word to promote what their agenda is. Instead of allowing God's word to speak and penetrate to their hearts and teach it. And understand the grammatical, the historical, the contextual, and the literal interpretation of God's word for you and I. That we would grow. That we would be rooted. That we would understand God's will and purpose for our lives. This is the deception. There are people, there are ministries that you need to stay away from. This is that warning received. Not only is there the false teaching of this Uh, of these birds roosting in the church and stirring up all of this strife. But Jesus also talks about this leaven. And there's no getting around leaven in the Bible. It is all over. It's in the Levitical law. 
It's in the children of Israel in the wilderness. Uh, It's in the Passover feast. Leaven, straight up, represents sin in the scriptures. And so when we see leaven being talked about here in this parable, Jesus again takes this a next step further with this conversation with the disciples after facing this hypocrisy of the religious system. Sin and false teaching will creep into our lives and the church, it will start small, but can take over every aspect. Now we talk about the church and the warnings and the concerns that we would have about the teachings and the doctrines that we would hear on the radio or see um, online or, or see in the television, but we also need to be careful about our own hearts and that sin that could hide and creep and grow and expand into areas of our lives. It's interesting, he's talking about leaven, but he uses this phrase, the three measures of meal being hidden. If you look at the Levitical law uh, in Leviticus chapter 2, you look at uh, Genesis chapter 8 verse 6, Abraham's encounter with God and his offering to the Lord, this three measures of meal is a standard grain offering to God. It's interesting the picture that Jesus describes here and the warning that we have of sin, even the littlest of sin, in our lives as believers, as we would offer our worship, offer our praise, but yet still have small areas of sin. Bryce prayed it earlier that we would allow God every aspect of our heart. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, Paul warns against this leaven or this symbol of sin. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump, Paul said? And if you understand in context, in chapter uh, 5, Paul is talking about sexual immorality in the church in chapter 5. He's talking to the church in Corinth. and, and, And these are Christian people. These are people in the church that he established and he's teaching and he's instructing them. He's saying, you know what? Don't even flirt with a little bit of sexual immorality. And he goes down a list and he's like calling them out. He says, don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? A little bit of compromise in our lives with sin. A little bit of temptation that we give into can grow. And expand. Jesus also says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 6, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples didn't even, they they weren't sure what he was talking about. In fact, the disciples thought that Jesus was talking about the Pharisees' bread. He was talking about the bread. And he goes on to say, I'm not talking about the bread. I'm talking about their doctrine, which is another word for teaching. Beware of that false teaching that can creep in, that can, that can begin to divide, begin to distort, begin to distract. You know, Satan and demons and devils know the scriptures probably better than you and I do. And he even uses the scriptures to twist and deceive and to tempt Jesus. You think he's going to do the same with you? Who We don't even know the scripture as well? Absolutely. Some of this stuff we see and some of this stuff we hear today is of the pit of hell. 
with a veneer, with a veneer of Bible verse. Be careful. Be careful. Jesus warns us. He says, take heed and beware. And, and, and this measure, this grain offering, Jesus gives a picture of corrupt worship in the church. Hidden sin corrupts our offering to God. It corrupts. God is holy. He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. So Jesus gives us these parables. And he goes on then with his ministry in verse 22. And he talks about salvation. Look at verse 22. And he went, Jesus, through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. That phrase, toward Jerusalem, is such a sweet phrase. Because in that little phrase, toward Jerusalem, represents all that Jesus would accomplish for us on the cross of Calvary. Full well, he's not compelled, he's not being forced, he is going of his free and own will in obedience to the Father, not my will but yours be done, to lay his life down, to be beaten, to be scourged, to be mocked, to be falsely accused and trialed and hung on a cross as a curse for you and I. He's heading to Jerusalem, And the disciples in verse 23 said to him, or someone said to him, Lord, are there so few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. That is a very frightening phrase. I do not know you or where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you or where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Verse 28. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. And on that very day, some Pharisees came, saying to him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to him, Go tell that fox. Jesus wasn't politically correct. Uh, he, he He calls him a fox. Behold, I I cast out demons and and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected, speaking of his death, burial, and resurrection, the third day according to the scriptures. Nevertheless, I must journey uh, journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. Jesus has asked this question in the context of his ministry, the conversations he's having with the religious rulers. They are confused, and they are wondering, Jesus, you are attacking and opposing the only religious system that we know. Jesus is rebuking this establishment. The disciples are perplexed as to who can get saved since Jesus is so aggressively opposed to this religious system. You you can understand their confusion. Jesus these, these synagogues and, and, and this law and, and, and these traditions and, and these rules and regulations, this is all we know how to access and come to you, God. And you're saying, 
you know, you're rebuking them and, and you're, you're, you're just calling them out and you're, and, and you're saying all these things against them. Are there so few who are going to get saved? You've ever wondered that yourself? It's like, how, how, how many people are going to get saved and, and who's going to get saved? Who's in and, and who's out? And, and Jesus takes this question. He will answer it in verse 29. He'll go on to say there's going to be people from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. He's going to say, there is a broad, a broad work of salvation that I have come to accomplish. It goes beyond the Jews. It goes to the Gentiles as well. The east and the, and the, and the west, the north and the south, all these people. Heaven is, Jesus basically says, heaven is not going to look like what you and I think it's going to look like. First and the last, last and the first. But Jesus turns this question that they have for other people and he points it to themselves. He points it right back to themselves. And he says in verse 24, strive to enter through the narrow gate for many, I say to you, will seek, and enter, seek to enter and will not be able to. A few words I just wanted to highlight for us. The first is strive. Strive. You know, the word in Greek is uh, the word where we get for agonize. And it means to struggle or to endeavor with strenuous zeal, to labor fervently. Now, we're not talking about accomplishing our own salvation based on our works or based on what we can do to obtain or to earn salvation. Jesus here is pointing out a very different thing for us. So why strive, Jesus? Why strive? Jesus understands that there are many obstacles, many obstacles, detouring and distracting you and I from the narrow and straight way that Jesus describes here in these verses. And what are some of those obstacles? Very clear, the world, the devil, and even our own flesh. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 24, the Apostle Paul talks about running the race that is set before us, right? And running to obtain the prize. And he goes on to talk about how he beats his body and puts his body into discipline and submission so that after he has run, he would not be disqualified. This, this striving, this agonizing, this, this strenuous endeavor to enter the way God has prescribed for us to enter into salvation, into heaven, talks about the daily Christian life and walk and the grind that we go through every single day and the challenge and temptation that we have to get off course. Again, going back to false teaching, there are people that claim to be Christians who are saying there are multiple ways to God. There are people saying that, you know what, in the end, love is going to win and you can do whatever you want. You can live the way you want. God's love isn't going to, you know, cast people to hell. God's love is going to embrace everybody. Jesus is very clear in these scriptures that salvation, although it is narrow, although it is straight, although it is prescribed in a specific way, it is not exclusive. It is not prohibitive. But it is specific. And that is something for us as believers and for something for us as Christians and something for us as the church in our culture today that we should never, one, be ashamed of and two, ever change and ever apologize for. It's the truth. 
If we love people, we'll give them the truth. Jesus says to strive. Paul says to run and to, and to, and to beat our body and that flesh that wants us to run after the world or the things of the flesh or be tempted by the, by the devil and get off course and off track. And Jesus is saying there's a lot of things that can get you going in many different directions. And he says, strive. Are you striving today? It is something Jesus says, strive for, work at, not in the sense of our salvation, but in the sense of a disciple and a follower of him. He says, as you strive, there is this narrow way. And this is, this is really where a lot of the opposition of Christianity comes from. You might have friends who would say, you know what, narrow you telling me that Jesus is the only way? I mean, that, that's just, that's wrong. I can't, I can't get over that hump. I can't get over that idea. Why would God exclude people? You probably heard people say that. Just because the way of salvation is narrow doesn't mean that it automatically excludes people. This is what Jesus is saying here. Jesus never excludes anyone that wants to enter through him. He's never excluding people that want to enter through the way he has prescribed, through the life that he has lived and the death that he has given and the resurrection that he has provided. The way is not narrow in a prohibitive sense, but narrow in the sense that there is only one way to be saved. One way. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus, very clear in the gospel, says in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. And the question I would ask to you today Have you entered? Have you entered? Time is short. We are not guaranteed tomorrow or even the next hour. Have you entered? Thank you, Pastor Sherwood. Let's ask ourselves that important question one more time. Have we entered through the door? Have you entered through the gate of Jesus into eternal salvation? You can know without a doubt that you are saved. If you want to talk with someone right now, or if you want prayer or counseling, you can call 619-561-4777. That's 619-561-4777. LifeQuest is produced and sponsored by Alpine Christian Fellowship. We're located in Alpine, California, just off the Interstate 8 freeway at the Harbison Canyon Dunbar exit. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for a time of prayer, followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. Be sure to bring the whole family because the children's ministry is also at 10. For more information about Alpine Christian Fellowship, visit our website at acffamily.com. That's acffamily.com. Join us next time on this station for another LifeQuest teaching program where we look at real life God's way.